I finally retired in 2012, I did try to find a couple more jobs, but I came home one day, Jesse, and I told my wife, I said, you know what? I'm not looking for another daytime job again. I'm going to do what I know I can do. And I said, she says, what are you going to do? And I said, I'm going to start a band. And so I started my band down here in Arkansas. And this is the same band that's been together. And this past March, we've been together for 10 years. And we play a lot. We do a lot of parties, gigs on a weekend. We do fest festivals. And we do music from the late 50s all the way up in the 90s. We do Journey, Bon Jovi. We do Elvis. We do the Beatles. We do all kinds of, and we do Pink Cadillac by Bruce Springsteen. <laughs> Hello, everyone, and welcome to a new episode of Set Lusting Bruce, your podcast all about Bruce Springsteen, his music, and mostly his fans. I am your host, Jesse Jackson. We are getting off the Bruce train, though I am sure he will come up, as he often does. I have my new friend, Gary Nelson, on the phone, who is a singer, songwriter, and is looking forward to sharing stories with me. Gary, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Jesse, and I appreciate you having me on here, and I'm looking forward to talking about my background, and it just so happens that I do like Bruce Springsteen. So <laughs> Nice. Tell us a little about yourself to get us started. I sure will. I started playing the guitar since I was nine years old, when I was nine years old. My father was a country singer, and he taught me my first chords because his band would play at our house or practice at our house. And I saw them play and I was watching from the side when they were rehearsing and I knew that I wanted to be in the music business period. And after I heard his lead guitar player play some licks on his guitar, I knew I wanted to be a guitar player. So my dad taught me my first chords and that was when I was nine or 10 years old. By the time I was 11 or close to 12, I had my first band. And by the time I was 13, uh, I was met some schoolmates that I knew, and we started a teenage band called the Panics. And I'm sure you're not aware of this, but we did really well. There was a band contest about 1964 or early 1965 at McCormick Place in Chicago. That's originally where I'm from, Chicago suburbs. And our band took second place out of almost a thousand bands that were in this band contest. And we, we won a recording contract. We made some records. And about a year later, we had the Chicago International Studio label sign us to a record contract. And they, they released several songs for us in the Chicago area. They put us on tour in the Midwest. And uh, I had started writing songs around that time, around 1964, and uh, I, I continue to write today. So my teenage years, I, I was very proud of those. Um, I, I had great fun. We, I, I do have a story to, to tell you a little later in this podcast about Elvis Presley. And today, Jesse, I've written well over 200 songs. I have 50 plus singles released out on all the digital platforms. I'm talking about iTunes, Spotify, so forth and so forth. So if anybody out there listening wants to listen to one of my songs, just look up Gary Nelson. That's G-E-A-R-Y Nelson, N-E-L-S-O-N. I have a YouTube account too, and I have a lot of videos out there. And what's in the background here is I'm in my recording studio right now. And this is where I spend the bulk of my time outside of me performing live shows on the weekends with my band down here. I live in uh, Bella Vista, Arkansas. Now I've been here for 23 years. And so I still play live music. I'm not going to tell you how old I am, but I'm old. <laughs> I got as much gray hair as you got, or maybe a little bit more. Yeah, I, I hit 64 in June. So this is my Beatles year. I always like to start at the beginning, Gary. So sure. you already shared a little bit. So I take it music was out was at your home all the time 
growing yes, up. Yes, it was. My my mom and my dad listened country music. They listened to music every day. So it was something that was just a natural thing. When I had schoolmates stop by, they asked me, they would say, are they always playing that music all the time? And I would say, yes, they are. And it was just part of my life, part of my brothers too, because I had, I, I grew up with two younger brothers and we all, I had a great family. I had a great mother and father. There was never any kind of abuse or anything in the home. It was a loving family. And I thought all families were like that, Jesse, until I talked to some classmates. Or something. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, music was the number one thing. And the greatest thrill of my life was when I was about 11 years old, the bass player in my dad's band, country band, could not make a show up in Wonder Lake up in Illinois. And I got on stage with my dad and his band. It was the thrill of my life. I was just a kid in a bar. Everybody's drinking alcohol but me. Yeah. <laughs> but it was so much fun, Jesse. It, it, it really was. It, and music's been in my life ever since. Uh, my wife, I, I, I married when we were, uh, 19 years old. I met her when I was 13. She's a keyboard player. Matter of fact, she's the keyboard player in my band down here. And music is just a huge part of our lives. Always has been. So I grew up with a family that loved country music as well. My mm -hmm. dad did play the guitar. I have that regret that I never took the time to have him spend time teaching me um right. but and i my cousins could not believe we were in ohio visiting my dad's family and my cousins could not believe this had been about 67 68 so i was mm -hmm. like eight nine maybe ten that i couldn't name all four beatles Ah. They just couldn't meet. We we're listening to Merle Haggard and Johnny Cash and yeah, yeah, uh, Hank yeah. Williams. So yeah. did you, I find two kinds of people, Gary, on the podcast, mm -hmm. the people that embrace their parents' music and then later expanded their enjoyment to other brands, other types, or they turn their back on their parents' music. And then when they hit 30, they go, that Johnny Cash guy, dad talked, he's pretty good. <laughs> so do you fall in either one? I fall in the category uh, that I loved country music. Yeah, I enjoyed it. I did play a little bit when I was younger. I have sat in with some country bands in the last 30 or 40 years. Yeah, um, But rock and roll has, was really the driver for me. Dion and the Belmonts, Elvis Presley. And I never sang back in those days. I didn't start singing until I was 19, but I played all that kind of music. And when the Beatles came in, I was in middle school and somebody told me, they said, Hey, have you heard them Beatles yet? I said, yeah, they sound pretty good. He said, they're from England. I said, yeah, but they don't have an accent. How can they be from England? <laughs> but yeah, the English invasion changed so much for the age that I was at that time. And we just loved it. But I still cared a lot about country music. I have to say, in all honesty, I, I'm not a real fan of the country music that they release today. Some of it I like, but there's a lot that I don't particularly care for. I mean, but I'm a, I like the Johnny Cash, the Conway Twitty, and, and uh, sure. Hank Williams and, and artists like that. And, but I, I do want to say this about, about Bruce Springsteen. I heard who he was. I had heard a song. But when he did that one song, Born to Run, I said, wow, what a recording. So he was definitely the boss. One of the greatest rock and roll songs of all time, what he was pushing for. <laughs> and he talked about that seeing Elvis on Ed Sullivan yep. was life-changing. Mm -hmm. But he said seeing the Beatles, he he said he admired Elvis. He wanted to be the Beatles seeing these guys and little Steven talks the same thing, right? Yeah. That British yeah. band is, was, um, iconic. And yeah. it just a moment that just so many different musicians talk about it. So that's good. Hello, Pantheon podcast listeners, Christian Swain here to tell you more about my experience with Raycon earbuds. 
Our family now has three pairs of Raycon earbuds around the house. And my wife just grabbed a pair of the headphone pros to replace some headphones from a company that was double the price. And yes, she loves them. Now, if you haven't pulled the trigger on a pair of Raycons, or even if you have, but you're in the market for another pair because they're just that good, well, now is the time to check them out because they just launched their upgraded model of the best-selling everyday earbuds. With Raycon's upgraded everyday earbuds, now you also get active noise cancellation, ergonomic design, and multi-point connectivity that lets you pair with two devices at once. New quick charge function, three customizable sound styles, plus awareness mode. Available in a variety of vibrant new colors to complement any and all skin tones. I even have a pair of earbuds in a cool green color. I have tried just about every earbud known to humankind and these Raycons are fantastic. Seriously, if you've been wanting to check out Raycons, there truly is no better time. You're going to ask yourself why you didn't check them out sooner and Raycon offers a 30-day happiness guarantee. So what are you waiting for? Go to buyraycon.com pantheon today to get 20% off your Raycon order plus free shipping. That's right. You'll get 20% off and free shipping at buyraycon.com pantheon. Buyraycon.com pantheon. Hey folks, Stefan Shirazi and Renee Richardson here from the Metallica Report. And we are proud members of the Pantheon podcast family, where the best of music and podcasts unite. We've got something pretty cool for you. We're giving away an exclusive Metallica merch package worth over $250. That's a whole lot of scary guys, skulls, M72, and other sought-after Metallica swag. And we've made it easy for you to win. Follow and share the Metallica Report, and you're in the game. Go to pantheonpodcast.com slash Metallica, enter your email, and hit that button to be entered to win. And just like that, you're eligible for our monthly exclusive Metallica merch package. And guess what, rockers? You can enter every month. So just do it. And while we love our global brothers and sisters, the lawyers won't let us ship outside the U.S. So it sounds like you've always had the bug to perform. Yes, sir. Yeah. Is that been... Have you done the day gigs or is this you? Yes, I have. I can tell you that in the early 70s, um, I played music every Friday and Saturday night until 1985. Okay. And every Friday and Saturday night, my wife and I never took a vacation. And I worked for a small company at that time called AT&T. Yeah. Little small company. uh, I think I've heard of them. (laughs) And in 1985, there was talk, I was a technician and there was talk of moving me into, into management. And I knew that if I went into management that I, I could not play on the weekends. Now I still wrote music. I still had a, I had a studio at home and I still wrote music and recorded, but from 1985 and basically to 2013, I did not have a band of my own because I moved up into middle management. They sent me to management school. And so I finished out almost 40 years with AT&T, retired as an assistant vice president. And when I finally retired in 2012, I did try to find a couple more jobs, but I came home one day, Jesse, and I told my wife, I said, you know what? I'm not looking for another daytime job again. I'm going to do what I know I can do. And I said, she says, what are you going to do? And I said, I'm going to start a band. And so I started my band down here in Arkansas. And this is the same band that's been together. And this past March, we've been together for 10 years. And we play a lot. We do a lot of parties, gigs on a weekend. We do festivals. And we do music from the late 50s all the way up in the 90s. We do Journey, Bon Jovi. We do Elvis. We do the Beatles. We do all kinds of, and we do Pink Cadillac by Bruce Springsteen. (laughs) Thank you. Bruce appreciates that. You said you had an Elvis story. I tell you what. We signed with a label up in Chicago as a teenagers. Okay. There's five of us in the band. We were called a panics. I would like to mention the names of the members, if you don't mind. Absolutely. Uh, Dave Richardson, lead, lead vocalist, Gary Nelson, lead guitar player, Bob Roke, who sadly is not with us any longer, a drummer and Tom Lukey, rhythm guitar player. Now a country really good player in Arizona. And Mr. Doug Akers, who I grew up with on the bass guitar. So 
the record company put us on tour. They sent us down to Memphis and we, we toured around in Kentucky and some of those Southern States and stuff like that. So when we finished our job in, in Memphis, we all climbed into the convertible of our drummer, Bob Roke and our lead singer, Dave Richardson says, let's go see Elvis. <laughs> so we drove over to Elvis's house and I've seen it on television, Jesse, the gates were not closed. They were open. Okay. We drove in. This is a true story. We drove in, pulled up right to the front door. There was an older lady sitting in a rocking chair and an older gentleman sitting in a chair in front of her. And we pulled up and she says, can I help you? And of course, Bob being the driver. So he, he says, we would like to see Elvis. And she tells us, she says, well, Elvis is in California. He's doing a movie. Really nice lady. But here's the kicker, Jesse. She says, well, you boys look really nice. Would you like to come in for some iced tea? And, and guess what us fools did? <laughs> we said, no, thank you, ma'am. We're going to leave. <laughs> <laughs> and that is a true story. And I found out. Probably a few years later, that lady, if you ever read any bios on Elvis, she was the Dodger or, or something like that. I forgot what he called her. Yeah. But she, but she was an aunt. She was his aunt. And the other guy was his uncle. Mm -hmm. And I regret to this day that we did not take up her invitation to go in and have some iced tea, Jesse, and sit around and talk and my gosh, how does that happen with a famous guy like Elvis Presley? The family invites you in. I tell that story in my band when we play live. I say, I, I talk about that once in a while. <laughs> That's a great story. I reminded of two things, right? There's mm -hmm. the famous incident where Bruce tried to climb the gate at Graceland ah. and, and to meet Bruce, Bruce wanted to meet Elvis and he wasn't yeah, yeah. there. But the other story this reminds me of is a, a friend of mine named Bud has been on the podcast and he talked about that he looked like Bruce in the 70s. Ah. And so when Bruce was going to be at the college campus, him and his buddies um, started saying that he was Bruce oh. and the actual got on the radio station and everything as a prank, right? Yeah. And so they ended up meeting Bruce and the band and they thought it was funny. And, and Bud talks about this all the time. After the end of the show, Bruce says, why don't you come with us? We've got a show down the road. Why don't you come with us to a couple of shows and enjoy? Yeah. And Bud said, I was like, no, I got to worry about classes and I need to do that. He says, I want to go back to that kid. No, you idiot. Get in the car. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. I did want to go back to have you always had that desire to create, to write songs? Is that just something that was inside you? Well, that's odd that you asked that question because I have been asked this question by a lot of other songwriters who have songwriting blocks they don't write. Yeah. And I just talked to a friend of mine here the other day who he asked me, he said, Gary, how do you get past these writer blocks? And I said, I cannot honestly answer that because I've never had one. And mm -hmm. it just, and this just, just the honest to God truth, Jesse, I can sit down with my guitar. If I picked up my guitar right now, I could write a song in two seconds. I don't know why I'm able to do that. Uh, I have songs that are, some are not as good as the other ones and stuff like that, but it's just, it always something, it was something that came natural to me. And I honest to God, never understood why I am a Christian. And the only answer to this is God gave me a gift. And I thank God every day for that gift. I was exceptional at learning quickly that was that's what set me up through AT&T quickly was I could catch on to things I caught on to things really very fast and same with guitar playing I picked up picking leads and stuff like that I can listen to a song and this is the truth 
I don't care what kind of song it is. I can listen to it and I can tell you the chords within 15 minutes and I can pick the lead out of it and play it on my guitar. It's just something that I've always been able to do. I just, I have no answer for the folks that ask me those questions and uh, because it's something I enjoy so much. And I have a, a multi-track recorder here in my recording room. And so when you listen to my music, it's all me. I play drums. I play keyboards. I, I play uh, bass guitar. I do all the singing, all the harmonies. There's three or four songs that my wife plays keyboards on when she's available. But the rest of it is all me. And it's just fun to do, Jesse. I could spend hours in here. My wife's got to come down and say, hey, are you going to come out for dinner? <laughs> It's just something I've always enjoyed. And I know a lot of songwriters, really good sure. friends, and, and they're talented. And it's just something I, that I've enjoyed. And I thank God that it that it's easy for me. Okay. Um, Do So you've always had that bug to write. And, to, and you've said it's just something you enjoy doing. Do you remember when you performed your first a song you wrote for someone yes yeah that was not a cover it was it it was in the middle 70s i wrote a song called walk walk mm-hmm. and i recorded it and the band that i had up in the chicago suburbs at that time we played that song and several of our shows that we did it was the only original that that, that we did and i just got a tremendous response for, from it and it, it just, it worked out really great. My brother, who's next to me, uh, he had a really good job at that time in the early 70s. And he's the one that paid for the recording session. So we went into a, recor- a recording studio in the edge of Chicago and recorded Walk and Nova. And I had them stamped out into records. And I took him to the radio stations up in Chicago I actually met Dick Biondi at WLS or WCFL, whichever one he was at that time in in 75. And I handed him the record and I said, sir, would there be any way at all that you could play my song on on your station? And he looked at the record and he said, that's not a major label. And I said, I know. He says, I'm sorry, I can't play any records unless they're on a major label. So I took it to a lot of radio stations, but at that period of time, Evidently, there was some kind of license or rule that they could not play any songs yeah. that, that were like that. And I and I still do that song in my band today, uh, along with, with several other my my songs that I've written. And I actually had a friend of mine contact me last week. It's really strange. He says, Gary, I want to promote one of your songs. Send me one. So I sent him Walk Walk. And he sent it to a bunch of stations, and they, he sent out a chart. True story. He sent a chart out three days ago. He said, Gary, this is unbelievable. Your song is number six this week. (laughs) Oh, nice. (laughs) I said, thank you, sir. Thank you. Thank you. So we we do three songs of mine in the band now, and I really enjoy it. My my biggest regret, Jesse, was back in the 70s when I played so much. I only played that one song, Walk, and... I did. I never played any of my other originals, and that's the one thing that I do regret that I did not play more of my own songs. And I got enough. I got enough to do a whole two, three hour show. And sure. but yeah, it's just something that I just I really enjoy writing and producing. I produce my own stuff, so I, I enjoy doing all of that. And uh, yeah, it just I feel lucky. I, I, I feel gifted by the Lord and. I got a lot of my music talent from my dad and my mom's dad was also a country singer and he toured with Hank Williams senior and all these people. And he, so he was a country singer, just like my dad. So somehow all that music (laughs) got handed down to me, which thank God it did. So. That is nice. Yeah. I love the idea that you're mixing it in and finding you're doing some covers, you're doing your own music. Do you find it, um, is it satisfying because of the way social media is now that there is the ability to put your music out a little bit easier than it used to be? 
that you can throw it out there and then help promote it and have people find your music? Here, here's here's the way it was in the early 70s. Independent artists like myself yeah. had no way to get the record out there unless you actually played it in your band and played it at the shows that you did. And you're absolutely right. The internet was, when it was created, I, I worked at AT&T when the internet all came to be. Mm -hmm. And so I've noticed that since 20, I would say 2010, for me personally, it's been much easier for me to get my songs out there and get some visibility and get people to, to like them. And the internet has allowed that to happen. It really has. But as, as I know, there's going to be a lot of people watching this podcast. I, I just want to remind the other songwriters out there and people who write songs. Okay. I don't put my music out unless it's copyrighted. I copyright everything, protect it before I ever put it on social media. And so you, you songwriters out there that are songwriting, make sure you copyright your material before you release it out on, on the internet. So, yeah, that's good advice. You're also a writer, aren't you? Prose. Talk to me about the book. Okay. I, I, I figured that a songwriter writes stories all the time. Yes. So yes, they do. Yeah. <laughs> so about five, six, seven years ago, I started having these dreams and stories started coming to me. And I will go back a little bit here and, and, and let you know that three or four of the songs that I've written over the past 10 years came to me in my dreams. Okay. So all of a sudden, this idea of this story, there was one, the very first one that I had, I haven't finished yet. And, but finally, I, I, I just got this urge to write this thing called the time cycle. And it's a, it's a story of a guy that was not happy in, in, in his time worth and, and I, I finished the whole thing up and I talked to a couple of other writers, my sister-in-law, Gina, who you, who you interviewed and some other folks down here. And they said, well, Gary, what you need to do is get it on Amazon, Amazon books. So I did that. And I, I was very pleased with how it went. I really enjoyed the story myself and most of the people that, that read the book, they, they said they enjoyed it. And, uh, I have 12 or 14 other stories that I probably have 30 or 40,000 words in them. Okay. So I just trying to find the right time to complete them and, and, and release. But I'm also working on, I got probably 20 or 30 song projects started that I got to sing on, or I got to, you know, put a bass guitar on and, and, and stuff like that. So I, I got a lot on my plate and sad to say, Jesse, back in July, I tore my right shoulder rotator cuff. Oh, no. Completely. And then in August, <laughs> I tore my left shoulder. Using my hands right now, I'm, I'm very limited on it. I'm, I can move my hands. I'm going through therapy for my arms and shoulders yeah. and stuff like that. It's getting a whole lot better. It's getting a whole lot better. But it has cut me back just a little bit on my creation, recording, and, and, and doing those types of things. Yeah. When you're performing live, are there a couple of songs that you just enjoy the heck out of playing? Yes. Yeah. I, I really enjoy songs that bring out the vocal in me. And I'll give you a prime example. Righteous Brothers, Unchained Melody. This band, I, I record, I video all of our shows. And so I took unchained melody out of one of our shows two years ago and i made it into an mp3 and sent it to some stations and stuff like that our band won an award two years ago from one radio station out of oklahoma for the best cover of unchained melody and i got the award in the other room somewhere i i really enjoy singing that song and there's quite a few other ones that I really enjoy singing. There's a couple of Elvis songs that I really enjoy singing. And I we do uh, Living on a Prayer by Journey. Several of their songs that we do, I, I enjoy singing those. And I get a, I get a kick out of it. I, I've always said to people, if once I stop enjoying 
singing and playing these songs, I, I said, there's no reason for me to do live shows anymore. Yeah. But I, I haven't come across that yet, though. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. The is it as a and this is going to be like choosing between your children. Mm -hmm. Do you enjoy performing live more or being in the studio, controlling it and doing all the parts and putting something out on your social media where making that music? Is it two different muscles? Is it easier to compare? It's, it is definitely two different situations. And right. I can honestly tell you now, now we do get paid when we play. All right. Mm -hmm. But that's not the reason that I do the shows, Jesse. I wouldn't tell any venues out there that they no, get no. me to play yeah. with us. <laughs> absolutely, we need to get paid. Yes, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah, but I really enjoy performing in front of people. And I should have mentioned this to you earlier before. I, I think I told you I stopped playing live shows from 1985 to 2013. Yeah. And when I started this band down here, about six months after I started the band, I wasn't sure that I really wanted to continue on with it. So we were asked, my drummers, my drummer had a friend who had an outside party. He had some big, big, large acreage in the back of his house. Yeah. So, and he said, you want to play? I said, sure, I'll, I'll go play. And that was it for me in 2013. I think it was June or July in 2013. I sang the mm -hmm. first song. Now, I don't recall what the song was such a long time ago. But when them people started clapping for us after that song was done, Jesse, I turned around to my drummer and I said, yes, I'm going to play. And That's that nice. brought me back. Yes. <laughs> it brought me back. And I really enjoy performing in front of people. It's in, And it's not that I need them to clap or anything like that. I, I know this may sound like I got a big head, but our band is very good. And anybody can look up the band, Rock and Roads Band. Our videos and our music is all over Facebook. And uh, once you listen to it, you can tell that we're a decent band. We do a good job. And that's, I really enjoy doing that. I would hate to lose any of it. I enjoy recording and recording the parts myself. All that creation is something that I just honestly enjoy. I'd hate to lose that too. I just, sure. I, I, I would not be happy, Jesse. I, let, me, let me say that. You know? Yeah. Yeah, because it, it, I think you explained that really well, Gary, that it's two different it's two different experiences. And yes, so you're blessed that you can do both yes, and very yes. happy. Do I and I think what's important is when you are in the audience and that the performer is having fun, that helps you to have fun. It just it is that we've all been to shows where it seems like the performer isn't interested or they're having a bad day and right. we forgive them, but you normally want someone there. They're having fun and they're enjoying it. So that's good. Jesse in this Northwest Arkansas area, I, I've seen quite a few bands over the, over the past 10 years. Yeah. Um, I can honestly say that our band that we have, and, and I do the same thing today as I did many years ago when I played up north in, in yeah. Chicago area. We interact with the crowd. It's just something that comes natural with us. Mm -hmm. And we played it and we do requests. A lot of bands don't do requests. So people can come up and ask us to, to play a song and we'll play a song for them. We actually have a 200 song catalog and a lot of people don't believe that, but we actually yeah. do. And we can do requests and it, it's just enjoyable to interact. We put on shows where, where we, we did a Halloween show here a couple of weeks ago. And boy, we had some great people coming in with some great costumes on. And so we, we provide gifts to the best costume and, and stuff like that. And it, it's just fun. It, it, it's just fun to interact with people that come. They're paying a fee to come and see you. And so it's we want to try to give them the entertainment and the enjoyment for that evening that, you know, that they deserve. And so we, we've been very lucky to have a, a, a great fan base that follows us around here. And it just, it's just something that we're very lucky to have. And I, I would like to say this, 
about the rock and roads band before I forget it. Sure. If I don't mention my wife on the keyboard, Peggy Nelson plays the keyboards for the rock and roads band. Nice. And Phil Kilmer is my drummer on the rock and roads band. And Mark McCaig is the bass player for the rock and roads band. And we all sing. Each one of them has songs that they do. I do about 95% of the songs and they do 5% of the songs. My wife is a real good singer. They're all good singers. And even when they're singing their songs, the lead parts, they, they sing background too in, in songs that we have, that we work with. But I wanted to mention their names. Otherwise they're probably going to beat me when they see me next time. <laughs> oh, no. I don't know if you've explored Bruce's last studio album was called Letter to You. Have you heard that or listened to it? No, sir. I have not. No. So I think you would enjoy it. He had, he had talked about, he was having, um, not trouble, but he says he tends to write in spurts. He'll write on things for him solo. And then he has to be in a certain mood to write for the E street band. Right. And right. he was at his Springsteen on Broadway and mm -hmm. a young man gave him a guitar and Bruce went to sign it. And the mind said, no, no, that's yours. That's a gift. And it was a guitar from Italy. That was really mm. beautiful. Bruce said it was a beautiful guitar. Mm. And so when he got it home, he started strumming it and it spoke to him. Then similar and what reminding about this is you mentioning your band members' names. George Castile was in, was the leader of the first band Bruce was in back in high okay. school. Interesting. And Bruce was at George's, went to George's hospital, and George was dying of cancer. Mm -hmm. And they spent time together. And and after he passed, Bruce realized. He was the only member of that high school band still alive. Wow. And he wrote a song, Last Man Standing. Mm -hmm. And he wrote other songs of... And so the album is a lot about bands and ending mm -hmm. and that brotherhood. He right. said music specifically rock and roll but he means all music mm -hmm. it's the only gear it's the only career that you could still be working with your high school buddies yeah like yeah. him and oh, little yeah. steven met in high school yeah and yeah. they're still making music together yeah. and so by you telling the story of your first band and naming them made me think of that so the name of the album is letter to you apple plus has a documentary on it that the making of the band they got together over three or four days and recorded most of it and it's a really interesting album to check out because at 74 there are less miles in front of him than there are behind him same thing for me at 64 i hope i live a long time and but the reality is that just based on things are the road ahead is shorter than the road behind us. And it's something to think about. I'm going to have to, I'm going to have to check that out. And did I misunderstand you? Is Bruce 74? Yes, he is. Oh my God. We're the same age. Mm -hmm. We are the same age. I, yeah. I, I did not know that. I thought he was older than me. I really did. Yeah. Yeah. He's 74. Wow. He was born in 49. Yeah. Yeah. Still making music. Um, What's next for you creatively? What do you want to do next? I have four songs that I just wrote, new ones. I've got a lot of songs that I've wrote that I have not recorded yet. I've okay. got them in my I got them in my book and stuff like that. And I got real rough draft recordings of them with me and my acoustic guitar. But I have four songs that I want to try to finish before the end of Q1. And one of them, Jesse, is a song called I Could Never Hold Another. Basically, it's about I could never hold another after loving you. And I I, I can't even explain to you how hyped up I am on this. The, the music to it is just, you know, when you hear a songwriter talk about 
how great his song is. I know that sounds funny sometimes, but this is going to be a really good song. And uh, I'm, I'm hoping to be able to get it all finished. One thing that I learned a long time ago is I try not to rush anything because I think when you start rushing something, it loses the, I don't know what you call it, impact or the the detailed feelings that come in a song. An example would be, I wrote a song called Please Don't Go. And if you ever get a chance to watch the video, you, you should try to, it, it's on YouTube, it's under my name. I can't even watch it anymore without getting a tear in my eye because some a lot of the words that I got out of it came from when my mom passed away of cancer a few years ago. Yeah. And I saw my dad, true story. I saw my dad on his knees next to her pleading, please don't go. Mm. Don't leave me here alone. Please don't go. Yeah. And so I wrote this song. It's, it's, it's really good. But every time I watch this video, you know, I, I got to go blow my nose and wipe the tears out of my eyes. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, but it's just take your time with things and, they will be done correctly and they will be good. And so that's, that, that's what I tried to do, especially when you got as many songs as I got that, <laughs> that have yeah. to be recorded. And it's just crazy, but it's just something that I enjoy, Jesse. I, I just, I have a good feeling. You know how sometimes when you're doing something and when you get done with it, you just you walk around the house and you feel really good and your shoulders are upright. And that's how I feel when I accomplish something that I, I, I feel sounds good, a very creative. And I know a lot of people, I, I, I've had some people tell me, Gary, you put too many chords in your song, but I, that's just the way I write. Yeah. You know, my, my bass player has told me several times, he says, I can tell that's a Nelson song. It got 25 chords in it, <laughs> uh, you know, but, but it's just something you feel good about. I do. Yeah. And it's just something that I enjoy. And, do you know another truth? All the people that I grew up with that were musicians, and even a couple of the older ones that were musicians back when I was young, yeah. there's only one person out of probably 80 to 90 people that I knew that played music up north is still playing besides myself. Mm -hmm. And that's Tom Lupke, who's in Arizona. He's a country singer. He's the only one that's still playing outside of myself. And I feel very lucky for that. Uh, Jesse, I, I do feel very lucky and I want to play as long as, as long as physically as I can. And I know one of these days, the age will overtake it somehow. I hope not unless you want to loan me 10 <laughs> <of> your years. <laughs> well, but you look, Willie just hit 90 and he's rolling on. <laughs> oh yes, he is. Yes. He yeah. Is. yeah. Uh, yeah. that's amazing. This has been so much fun. I, I've loved getting to know you. I, I'm going to check out some music. Is there anything I should have asked you that I haven't, Gary? Is there any story you got in your back pocket that I should have asked for? I, I think that you covered it very well, Jesse. I wasn't quite sure what to expect from this. I did watch the one that you, the podcast that you did with my sister-in-law, and I thought yeah. that was very good. Thank you. But I wasn't sure what you're going to do with a musician. Dad. But but this was fun. I enjoyed it. And off the top of my head, I, I can't think of anything that I missed. Okay. Outside the fact that it just... And I could tell that you enjoy music and you like to listen to artists and stuff. I, I, I can tell that. I really do. Thank you. And Dad. if you... I have your email address. Okay. And I'll send you some links to my music. Great. So it doesn't cost you an arm and a leg. Okay. And yeah, if you want, I'll cut this out. Let me know if you want. Give me a suggestion. I can insert, like I can insert a clip of one of your songs at the beginning and one at the end so people sure. can have a sample. So that'd be good. Sure. Ab absolutely. I, I would okay. love to do that. Okay, good. I would good. love to do that. All right. I'm going to let you tell people where to find you in a minute. But before I do that, I got to ask you the Mary question. Okay. So if you're a fan of Gary's or your family and you're listening to this, he made you very proud. You should, he did a great job. 
But I end every podcast with the Mary question. And what that is, Jay Armstrong, who was an honors English teacher in the Philadelphia area, when he was teaching, he would give his students the lyrics to Thunder Road. And they would study it as if it was a poem. They would look at the imagery Bruce portrays. They would talk about the themes he does. And then at the end of the day, he would ask his class the question, does Mary get in the car? So, Gary, that is your question. Does Mary get in the car at the end of Thunder Road? I'm trying to remember how the song goes. Okay. Um, and... I have to be honest with you. I'm drawing a blank at this moment. So um, tell you what, I'm going to give you an incomplete. Okay. What you have to do is, because you've got the recording stuff. Yep. Listen to the song and then just send me a clip and I'll I insert it. Okay. I will. All right. Will. Good. I, All right. I, I can do that. All right. Very nice. That. All right. So Gary, once again, I just want to, I appreciate so much your time and sharing if someone wants to reach you, if someone wants to check out music, what's the best way? The best way is GaryNelson.com. That's G-E-A-R-Y-N-E-L-S-O-N.com. That'll take you to my music site. And I have a lot of my, not all my music is there, but I have about 25 or 30 songs there that they can listen to. I'm on Facebook at Gary Nelson, G-E-A-R-Y. But I'm Gary J. Nelson on, on, on Facebook because Facebook had some rules back when I created yes. my account. And I'm on Twitter. They call it X now. Yes. And But I'm on there as, as a Gary J. Nelson, too. But yeah, GaryNelson.com, that'll get you where you want to be. And like I said, I, I have, my music is on iTunes. It's on Spotify. All the whatever digital platforms out there, I might be missing some of them. But everything is under Gary Nelson. And I have a YouTube account, and in my YouTube account, I have my songs, and I also have the Rock and Roads Band's videos from our live shows, and they are very entertaining. You, you can see me pull my hair out once in a while on stage. <laughs> there is nothing wrong with that. I will include links in the show notes. Um, Gary, it. I am so glad that Gina introduced us. I yes, think this I has been too. a fun conversation. Thank you so much for your time. Please continue to bring joy to the world. Making music, I, I. this is the reason I do this podcast is music is what gets us through good times, bad times, healing, yes. grieving. And I think it's so important. So please keep making music and keep bringing joy to the world. Listeners, go to his website, check it out, follow him on social medias, go to iTunes or wherever you get this podcast, rate and review it. It does make a difference. Leave a comment. Let us know what you're thinking. But for now, be safe, be kind, and we'll talk to you soon. Goodbye. Thank you very much, Jesse. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. 
FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. 